Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. John Jesus, beloved. It says, do not let your heart be troubled, afraid, or cowardly. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. I love it. It says, believe confidently in, in God and trust in him. Have faith. Hold on to it. Rely on it. Keep going. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Because I am going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. And to the place where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am only, I am the only way to God. And the real truth and the real life, no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had really known me, you would have also have known my Father. From now on, you know him. I've seen him. He said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and then we will be satisfied. He said to him, have I been with you for so long a time? You do not know yet, Philip, nor recognize clearly who I am. Anyone has seen me seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not say on my own initiative or authority, but the Father, by continually in me, does his works, his attesting miracles and acts of power. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe me, because the very works themselves which you have witnessed, I assure you the most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even better things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatsoever you ask in my name. As my representative, this, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Thank you, Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word, Father, because it is so true, Lord. Because we believe in you, Lord God, and you have attested in our lives, Father God, of just your blessings that you poured on us, Lord God. Your chastisement, Lord God, that you poured on us, Lord God, is an attestation. Lord God, of your faithfulness to us, Father, because you love us. Father, you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and Lord, I know that is true. Because, Lord God, in times and troubled times, Father God, in times not knowing which way to go or what to do, Father, you've always made it very plain and clear what we're to do, Lord, and I thank you for it. And Father, we glorify you, Lord God. We thank you for every trial and tribulation, Lord. 
We thank you, Lord God, for the, the time that we're living in because we know that we've been called for such a time as this. Lord God, you didn't make any mistake when you called us into this world. You knew the people that be here right now, Lord God, and those that are come that will be able to stand the test of time, Lord God, is that wicked one, Satan, and the Antichrist. Lord God, we know that his spirit, Lord God, is, is, is preeminent, Lord God, around the world because folks are seeking him, Lord God. They're asking for him to come through blood laid human sacrifice, Father God. And every other thing, Lord God, they've sacrificed in their lives to it. Lord God, they think that they're their own bosses, Lord God. But Lord, we know who the boss of this world is. It's Satan himself. And Lord, there's no other way, Lord God, for a person to live, Lord God, and not have a choice. We have to choose you or choose the devil. And then when the light is brought to folks and tell them who they really serve, they get mad. They get mad because they're in darkness, Father God, and that's who has deceived them. But Lord, we thank you for the glorious light of your gospel, Lord. Shining forth the truth. And Lord God, those that will walk in your ways, Lord God, love the truth. Lord God, we love it because we know that that's our only way into heaven, that we love it. And we long for your appearing, God. And we thank you, Lord God. We don't have time for foolishness, Lord God. Foolish things, Lord God, that the devil is always trying to promote, Father God. And Lord, we curse it right now. We curse every spirit of fear. The fear of death, Lord God. Saints don't die. Lord God, we realize we don't die. We just go and continue on the uh, and rest, Lord God. You said, let not our thoughts be troubled, Lord God. But Father God, if we believe in you, we also believe in the Lord. And Lord God, you said you've already gone to prepare a place for us, Lord Jesus. That's what your word says, and that's what you've done. And Father, we thank you for it, Lord. So there's no need to be afraid of what a man can do unto us, because he can't do anything to us except you give him permission, Lord. And when that's done, Lord God, we know we'll come on and be with you. So it doesn't matter about trials and tribulations and persecutions, Lord God. Father God, we die now to this flesh and to this world. Lord God, so we won't have to die a second death, Father God. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. That, Lord God, your strength is made perfect in us. Lord God, there's no weakness, Lord God, in you. Weakness is in the flesh. So that's why we're killing off this flesh daily, Lord God. We're killing it off, Lord. So we can live in accordance to your will and do everything you call us to do. Lord God, we appreciate you, Lord God. We appreciate your long suffering, Lord God. But Father God, we know that we have to become sober-minded, Lord God, to do your will, Father God, and get on about your business. Oh, God, what? 
Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your bread. Thank you, Lord, for the cleansing flow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Only by grace that we stand. 
Jesus, we worship you, Lord. 
worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. There's nothing like you, Lord. There's nothing like you, Jesus. There's nothing like you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. You Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're our Alpha and Omega, Lord.
thank you, Jesus, that you'll move out, Lord God. That your will will be done on this earth, Lord God, as it is in heaven, Jesus. You curse everything that's not like you, Lord God. Let resurrection power, Lord God, flow through this place, Lord. And as we desire you, Lord God, more than anything in this world, oh God, we ask that you fill us, Lord Jesus, with the Holy Ghost, more of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus. Oh Lord, have your way, Jesus, have your way, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way, Jesus, have your way, Lord, please, Lord, please, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We pray for our brothers and sisters, Lord God, all around this world, over Nigeria, Lord. Some of them are getting ready to die, Lord God. Before this meeting is over, they will have died and come on home with you, Lord. But give them strength to stand, Lord Jesus. And not to deny you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for all the saints, Lord God, that have been harshly persecuted. And Lord, behold, is coming here next, Lord Jesus. We will be persecuted, Lord God. We will be killed, Lord God, before you, Lord God. Lord, just give us the strength to stand, Lord God. Pour in the steel that we need, Lord God, to stand. And therefore stand, gird our legs up, Lord God. Bind them tight, Lord God. And we'll stand, Lord God, and therefore stand, Jesus. Father, we thank you for it right now, Lord God. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, Lord. It's your heavenly name that we pray, Lord. You're the Prince of Peace, and the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And we exalt you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 
Thank you. Man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Man. Y'all feeling all right? Yeah. Man, I'm glad it's only Friday. <laughs> that coming an extra day, coming a day early, is uh, that's really good. You know, you wake up. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like yesterday was Friday and today would be Saturday. And I was like, man, today was only Friday, so we got a couple more days to fellowship and break bread. So, man, good to see everybody here. Everybody made it safely. Uh, not anybody's still trying to get here. If so, we hope they make it safe. But man, it's a blessing. Uh, you know, leaving last year's conference, they were already planning the, the team that plans these conferences was already planning for this year's conference. And you know, messing with Dante, he like, man, I can't wait to get to the conference, man. You know, because a lot of us are in different cities, different states. We don't get a chance to see each other throughout the year, so. You know, we really look forward to these times to come together on one accord. You know, it's like the upper room, man. It's power. It's power when you get together with like-minded believers. So being in a room with folks that, you know, are moving in the same direction, that's a, that's a powerful thing. So it's good to see some familiar faces, some new faces. Always good meeting new that's been plugged into this message and uh, getting aboard the ship. I was messing with uh, Ronnie and my boy. I said, man, it's good seeing y'all, man. A lot, of, a lot of folks falling off the boat, you know? This thing like a carnival cruise liner, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when they stop at the dock, some people get off and some people get on. And that's just the way this is, you know? It takes a lot to move a cruise ship. And you know, the way we operate here is all hands are on deck. You know what I mean? Can you imagine how many employees, carnival employees? I mean, if you've ever been on a cruise, who's been on a cruise? So, you know, a good number. I mean, you're talking, you're talking probably almost a thousand employees to make that work. But it's a lot of people working behind the scenes. And I imagine, you know, some of the folks that work for Carnival get off at them stops too, saying, I don't, I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> you feel me? So, you know, it works, but I was messing with Ron. I was like, let's see y'all. You know, it's good to see some familiar faces because you never know who's going to stick. You know what I mean? This thing is a, a revolving door. People are coming and going. And that's just the way the church is. You know, if you think about the church from the standpoint of a hospital, you come in wounded, beat up, broken down from being shot and found in a pool of blood. And the ministry staff at the hospital is there to aid you and restore you, only for you to become part of the ministry staff. You see how it works? You come in wounded, but then you become a nurse or you become uh, uh, you know, a lobotomist or somebody that is now assisting the wounded soldiers coming in. But what happens is people come in and you know they get healed up or whatnot and God meets some of their needs and they go back out to the streets again. That's not the way this works. You know, we need folks that's on board to help these people get free. But you can't help people to get free until you're free yourself. So that's what it's all about. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be here and excited to see everybody here. 
and looking forward to hanging out on the beach this afternoon and just getting a fellowship with some of the newer people that I haven't had a chance to be here. But in terms of announcements, obviously we have the shirts. So if you haven't gotten a shirt yet, be sure you grab one. $15 for the shirts. And like Pastor Price mentioned yesterday, if you're unable to, if you're unable to pay for the shirt, then uh, go ahead and grab it. Uh, no harm, no foul. So we'll cover you. But be sure you get them because it looks like that stack is getting pretty low just from last night. Uh, we're going to be taking some pictures. So if you see me, I'm not on the camera, man. Who knows that I'm the cameraman? Yeah, I'm the cameraman. So be sure you uh, smile when you see the camera when I'm taking group pictures. So just, you know, get plugged in, man. That's that's the biggest thing here is, you know, move along, move with the flow of the ship. That's what it's all about. That is if you're on board. You know? I mean, hey, you got you to gotta determine that for yourself. So the other announcements, um, the itinerary, Price will share uh, Pastor Price will share a little bit more when I finish teaching here. But I'm gonna ask my wife Latika, where is she? Latika, I'm gonna ask Latika to come up. And uh, sing a song. Y'all give it up for My the track downloaded, okay? Okay, all right. It's been a while, so y'all bear with me. Thank you. 
So she called him and was like, hey, what y'all up to? She had, I had never met her before. And she called him and said, hey, what up to? He said, my neighbor's over here. We're getting ready to go shoot some food. So she said, hey, I'm in the area. I'm going to stop by for a second. He said, cool. So she came through, and I promise you when she walked in, I promise you, the heavens opened. <laughs> and I heard angels singing. <laughs> now I'm hot. I'm hot, right? <laughs> you know, when you hot, you get real deep. You know a lot of scripture when you hot. You know what I'm saying? Right, All out of context. I mean, I tell you what, I was hot, but I became sober real quick. Because when I saw her, it wasn't typical in terms of the way I viewed a woman in my past life. And I hadn't, I was still on the fence. I was on the fence at that time. But man, when she walked in, I immediately, my mind immediately began running. Like, who is this? I, I just wanted to know who was she. You know, I had questions like, what's her favorite food? You know, where was she born? You know, questions like that. Not, what's up, Charlie? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's your name? See, a, even when you say that, it don't sound right. What's your name? You already. You're already out of bounds. But, um, man, we got to, we, she ended up hanging with us that night. And like I said, I was, had been smoking. I, I put all that down. And I became an inquiring mind. I wanted to know who was this young lady. And the good thing about it was she was like in plain clothes. She wasn't dressed up or nothing. She, she was actually looking kind of, kind of <laughs> She hear this later. <laughs> But she just wasn't dressed up, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't glammed up or nothing. She just a, a regular, you know, what we call a round the way girl. And man, uh, my buddy was like, look, she, that's what they call her. she, he's like, she, look, man, don't be playing with my friend. I was like, no, man, no. But uh, she ended up coming to shoot pool with us and, you know, we were kind of uh, talking and, and we hit it off real well. But from that day, we never stopped talking from that day. So uh, people say, do you believe in love at first sight? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel in love at first sight. But man, when I met her, I was still in the world. She was in church, singing and teaching Bible studies. And we were on two totally different paths. But we began to merge into one lane as we got to know each other. And you're talking about an Ahab spirit. Man. Ahab to the fullest. You know, I was used to getting my own way, stubborn, selfish, you know, running the girls, and that's what I was accustomed to. But the thing about Latika was she wasn't having that. <laughs> Latika wasn't having that. You know, she had her standards, but she didn't push them in a way that pushed me away. You know how some women, their list is so long for what they want a guy to do that the guy like, man, I can't, I can't measure up to that standard. So anyways, 10 years, we got married two years after courting. And uh, man, God has really done a work in our lives, man. We got two beautiful girls. And coming from where I come from, I'd have never, I would have never imagined that I would be at this place at 35 years old. Never in a million years would I imagine this. So I know that there's a God in heaven that's looking down here. And he's working in our lives. It's 
hard to it's hard to get around when somebody's really had a transformation in their life. It's hard to get around that. And I stand here transformed and made new. So I thank God that she is who she is and just coming up here to seeing and watching her just reminds me of really where we come from. So 10 years, man, and uh, I encourage all the, the married couples here, man, to keep fighting. You know, love is a war. Did you know that? Love is a battle. You got to fight every day to keep that love fresh in your marriage. So I encourage all the miracles with that today. And if you're single, hey, we don't have a lot of time left. So if God got somebody for you, you know, he'll send them. But just know that we're moving into a different phase of the church in terms of relationships, things of that nature. This is how everybody being equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's what marriages are all about. God gives you a partner to fight the, to fight the war with. So you got to keep everything in perspective so you don't become discouraged because your viewpoint about relationships is your viewpoint about relationships is misconstrued. It's all about. I always say marriage is two excited slaves. That's all marriage is. Two excited slaves. And the day those slaves lose their excitement, that's when that marriage begins to fail. Because it's all about serving and giving yourself to one another. So that's what it's all about. I didn't plan on saying that, but hey, it is what it is. So we'll get into a little bit of the word today. We'll be coming out of Second Peter. And we'll do an excursion through Second Peter. And we'll see where that takes us. So turn to Second Peter. And we'll start in chapter 2. Praise God. Praise God. I know it's like a Second Peter one, or as I say, two Peter one. You know, somebody got mad at me for saying that. They said, I said, go to two Peter one. They said, it's second Peter. I said, man, it's nothing number two. People will get on you for anything, you know, when you're dealing with the Bible. It's two Peter. I don't see an N and a D behind it. It's two Peter. <laughs> two Peter one. Goodness. So, uh, We'll talk about, I want you to, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say these words, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, get it back. And don't lose it. Turn to your neighbor and say, get it back. And don't lose it. All right, let's pray. Father God in heaven, we come before you now in Jesus' name, coming before your word, Lord which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, we're asking that you open up our understanding, that you would teach God and enter into a deeper depth in our relationship with you. God, it's all about the knowledge of Christ, God, that grows us into what you called us to be. So God, we just humble ourselves down, God. We're students, Father God. We're disciples. And we're seeking you as the master teacher, God, to raise us up in the fear and admonition of your word, God. Lord. Bless the fruit of my lips, God, to minister to your people so that we can grow thereby. 
God, we thank you for all that came today, God. We thank you for the hearts that are stirred and hungry, Father God, to move forward in their relationship with you. God, we pray for those that are on the fence, Father God, that they will make up their mind, Lord God, that it's heaven or hell, God, and we're here to present heaven. Like, like Moses said, <clears throat> heaven and hell is placed before you this day. Choose who you're going to serve. Choose. And God, we choose you. So teach us today, God, as we go before your word. And we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Get it back and don't lose it. Like I said, we'll look at 2 Peter. And we'll just kind of graze through 2 Peter. And we'll bounce around. And we'll see where this takes us. All right, let's read. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You notice how in that first line that it says that he was a servant before he gave his title as apostle. That's going to be the key to everything as far as uh, your Christianity goes. It's all about servanthood. When you enter into the kingdom, Jesus, gonna, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? Well done, my good and faithful apostle. Is that what the scripture says? Well done, my good and faithful pastor. Well done, my good and faithful evangelist. No. Well done, my good and faithful servant. All of those ministry gifts are services to God. But it's not about the title. It's about getting your hands on the plow and not looking back. So the scripture is very strategic in that it makes it says that he's a bond servant first before it lists him as an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you look at those words right there, obtain a like precious faith. You know, we always say, uh, if this doesn't apply to you, we're not talking to you. You ever hear us say that all the time? We're not even talking to you. Because if you haven't obtained a like precious faith, then you really are on the outside looking in. But if you are a believer who shares the like precious faith, you have obtained it and acquired it, then the word of God is for you. But we get so much flack from people that we're not even talking to. Have you ever been having a conversation and somebody's standing there and they begin to respond and you weren't, you didn't say nothing to them? You know the old joke, it's an A and B conversation, you need to well. And this is a two-passenger car. How did you get in the car? But that's what people do. And we had a conversation last night about how it's all hands on deck as far as the ministry, as far as how we present and what we intend to establish here. All hands are required to be on deck. There are no pew sitters in this or no bench riders if you like sports. There's nobody sitting at the end of the bench that won't get called into the game. At some point, your name is going to be called. And you would have already had to be pre-formatted to step up to the plate. You don't want to be, you know, scurrying, trying to get something to present or something to, you know, put before the people. You want to already be ready. I mean, at any given point, anybody in here, you know, the microphone could be passed to you. Preach. You got to be ready. You got to have it already stored in you to be ready to go. So are you ready? And if you don't feel that confidence and you can't say, you know what, I am ready, then that's the goal, right? The goal is going through that process of getting yourself ready. Where, man, I'm going to stand by. You know, when you, when you hibernate your computer, 
the computer doesn't go off, it powers all the systems down. But the computer, all you got to do is what? Just move the mouse. That thing is on standby. That's how you got to be in the saints. You got to be on standby. Where God can touch you and you're on. You're ready to go. But otherwise, you're sitting, you're sitting there just patiently waiting to be called up. But we were talking about that in terms of, you know, you could be called up at any point. And the fact that you got to be, you got to be hands-on. You got to be hands-on. There are no pieces. And church has been programmed for years for people to come and sit. And that's why this is such an austere thing is because we're saying, no, everybody has a responsibility. Even if it's just, you know, administrations, if it's just operating a camera, whatever it is, there are no big knees and little U's or big eyes and little eyes. There are nobody, there is nobody that if I do something small, that means that, you know, my role is, is less significant. What does the Bible say about that? It says those that are behind the scenes deserve more honor than the ones that's up in front. The ones that you don't see doing the heavy lifting, those are the ones that deserve the honor. So that's what this thing is all about, man. It's about finding out what God has called you to do individually and getting about the Father's business. I found that that's one of the biggest challenges in Christianity is that people come into church, but they don't know their role. They don't know what player am I on the team. You think about like the Golden State Warriors as an example. You got the Draymond Green, you got the center, the guy standing in the middle, blocking the post, making sure you're protecting the rim. It's various responsibilities on any given basketball team. I mean, you got the guy bringing the times. You know what I mean? You go to a baseball game, you see the kids running, what they doing with <laughs> the ball boys. See, all of those people are significant. All of those people have a role. So don't think in terms of if I do something big small that I'm insignificant. It's about you finding out, man, where can I get my hands involved? And I've always been like that since I came into church. And what you'll find is that in the false, you'll get exploited when you're like that. They use people like that. When you come into the false church, they take you and they begin to use you. But in that process, God has forged me. I know God forged me through being in those scenarios. Because what does the Bible say in Romans 8, 28? For those that love God and are called according to his purpose, all things are working together for the good. So even in those situations where you were in a false church or what have you, God was using that experience to forge you up into this point. Does that make sense? And uh, I don't appreciate that Brother Cord took my spot on the praise team. Look at that, brother. You sound good, Cord. You know, he took my spot on the praise team. Y'all see him on the end? Yeah. I got to keep working. I got to keep working on that. But that's what it's all about. It's about seeing where you can fit into this. Book. So he talks about those obtaining a like precious faith. He's, he's writing his second letter and he's talking to those who are in the faith. Now, 1 Peter was around the time of Nero's persecution. Y'all remember that from church history, what was happening, right? Nero was persecuting the Christians and man, it was on and popping. I mean, he was feeding them to the lions. They were part of the show, basically. Take the skin and sew them up to make lamps, burning it to parties. I mean, this was under him. 
persecution. So when you read it in context of 1 Peter into 2 Peter, he's, he's dealing with persecution and suffering. And Pastor Christ said something real critical last night. He said, if anybody preaches persecution or suffering and they try to offer you a solution, it's always wrong. I hope you wrote that down, either in your notes or in your mind, because that's going to be key going forward. If you study 1 Peter and 2 Peter real closely, he never offered them a way out. He just said, hey, Jesus Christ is your focal point. Look up. Your, your salvation is drawing near. Yes, yes. If you study it real closely, you never see a solution in terms of finding a way out. That's right. He offered them comfort in the midst of suffering. And he talked about not being you know, persecuted for stealing and being an evildoer. Be, be persecuted for doing the right thing in terms of living a righteous life and serving Christ. So this thing is right on schedule. Look at verse 2. Well, let me go back to that verse. Look at what it says at the end. It says, like a light precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So those who say Jesus Christ is not God, think of the 2 Peter 1. They're asking to read it. Here, read this. What does it say? Our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very simple. Verse 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Thank you. Now let's go back. You see a repetition right there. So you always want to pause when you see something repeated in Scripture. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in what? In the knowledge. This thing is all about the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the biggest questions that Jesus asked his disciples and the biggest question that we're asked and we have to be able to answer is who do men say that I am? See, it's not about what I believe about Christ. It's what you believe about Christ that's going to make the difference for your life. Who is Christ is the biggest question on this planet. Was he just a man? And in uh, the Islam faith, they say he was just a, a prophet. God has no son is what the Quran says. Who is Christ? And Peter got it right. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Flesh and blood did reveal that to you. That came from Ohio. But that question, who is, who is Jesus? The answer to that question determines your eternal destiny. So that's a very critical question. And that's how we're growing. We're growing in the knowledge of Christ. Man, you get so much teaching here. If you, if you plug into this, you can't say that the knowledge of Christ is not being put forward. The archive goes back to like 2008, I believe. What's the archive on the website? 2004. You should never have a dull moment when you ain't got nothing to do. When you got messages from 2004, man, you can go in and type the mind. You got several messages that'll pull up to teach you about the war on the mind. I mean, God, you better get you some AirPods. What are AirPods? 
you a Bluetooth or something? Because I keep them wireless things on me at all times. People, people always got to come up to me like, are you listening to something? And with the air pads, you just, you just double tap like that right there to pause it. I said, hold on one second. <laughs> Man, you got, to, you, got, you got to have this word drowned in your soul. That's right. I'm talking about you got to be a drowning man if you want to make it in this. You know, we waste a lot of time fooling around watching TV. And I'm, I'm not somebody that says take the one eye monster off the wall, you know. But you got to know that you got to know where you are at any given point. And right. we're in the end of times, and I need to have the knowledge of Christ rooted in me, and I need to spend more time in this word than I do entertaining the world. So the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power, notice what it says, has given. So this is all past tense. He's addressing what's already happened. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Some of those things are the word of God, the blood of the lamb. I mean, you could go down the list of things that he's given us. The Bible says he's given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Nothing. You know what stands in the way of our progression? What is it? The flesh. The flesh stands in the way. That's why that 10 day fast, man, I tell you what. How y'all feeling after that fast? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that fast was something else right there. Unless you know that God is on the move. You know, he's, he's moving. This thing is progressing. And I'm glad Pastor Price said what he said last night. People say, Oh, the Lord can come back at any time. No, he can't. <laughs> We're going to come back and get it. We're not ready to go yet. That's right, brother. The bride is not ready. She's still in the bridal chamber being, being prepared. So that's, that, that gives you a lot of hope, right? Hey, I mean, if he ain't ready, if he hadn't come back yet, that means I still got some time to get myself right. And the, bad, the worst mistake you can make is to waste time. Or to think that you have a whole lot of it. You know, you think like that as a young person. I'll get saved when I'm in my 20s. I'm going to party and do my thing right now. Terrible mistake. That's part of the mistake that I made. When I was in college, I used to go to this little Baptist church. And, uh, you know, I grew up in church in terms of my mom, you know, dragging me to church. I was like the devil in church, boy. She used to drag me in. Oh, I'll, I'll be in church. I'll be in the back of the church like this. Sleep. Didn't want to go there. Fighting and kicking. But the seed was being sown. And I remember when I was in college, I would go. I'd be in there taking notes. But it was all it was all right here. It was all in my head. And a week after I graduated from college with my undergraduate degree in criminal justice with a minor in communications, I got locked up. Like locked up in handcuffs, facing two state jail felonies, possession of controlled substance, and theft of a firearm. What happened? While I was in college, I was hustling the whole time I was in college, selling weed, selling uh, X pills, ecstasy pills, codeine, promethazine, but I was still going to class in the books, and still managed to get my degree. All the while going to church, taking notes, never challenged to repent and change. Never challenged to repent and change. 
to be, I was accepted as I was, but I was never challenged to change while I was in church. And a week after I walked the stage, May 13, 2006, I walked across a stage that looked like this and got my degree. I'm happy, smiling, taking pictures. A week later, from Saturday to Saturday, I was sitting in the Harris County Jail in Houston, Texas. Sitting in jail, two state jail felonies. That's a minimum of five years state jail time. Minimum. A buddy of mine called me. He was in Austin, which is my hometown. He said, hey, man, I want to get some drink. That's codeine. We call it drink in the streets. He said, man, I want to get some drink. I want to get some syrup. I said, come to Houston. I know somebody. We can get you squared away. He came, picked me up. We got the drink. And we stopped at this corner store in a, in a particular neighborhood in Houston. And when we walked into the store, the people in the store, they started panicking. I mean, they were like, they freaked out. And we're like, man, what's up with these people? And the people were like, you know, just hurry up and get what you want and get out. And I got mad. I started cursing and talking crazy. I'm like, man, we got money for y'all. What's going on? You know? Well, what we didn't know was two weeks prior, two black men had robbed that same store. So they were paranoid, right? We fit the bill to, for them to get robbed again. So here they are thinking that we're about to rob the store. Now, what did I have on me? What did I tell you? What was, what was one of my charges? I had a pistol on me. My buddy had the drink, and I had some X pills on me that I was popping and selling. So I was a user, and I was selling, but I was using. And as soon as we walked out the store, they locked the door and called the police. Now, the catch to the story is that when we stopped at that store, we were actually lost in Houston because I was at, I was in Houston just hanging out, partying since I had finished college. And my buddy's brother, the guy who I was with, his brother was up the street from where we were. So he called his brother and was like, hey man, we in the neighborhood, just stay here and I'll come and, you know, I'll come and pick y'all up. So we sit outside of the store, uh, the people that just called the police. <laughs> Had we, had we left the store, we would have never got caught. You see what I'm saying? So we sent out the store because his brother was like, hey, just stay there so y'all don't get lost anymore, and I'll come and get you. We sitting outside the store for about 10 minutes. As soon as his brother pulled up, he jumped in the car with us, and we pulled out, and the police pulled right behind us. And when I tell you, it was like 10 cop cars. They, they treated us like we were going to rob the store. That was basically the call. Hey, about to get robbed. And man, when I saw those, when I saw those, we call them burps and cherries. You ever heard that? Burps and cherries, the police lights. When I saw those police lights, my mind went, my mind went blank. It, my mind just shut down, just powered completely down. I didn't think to throw the drugs or try to do something. I couldn't even, I, my mind just went blank. Why? Fresh out of college. I know what I got on. I know what's about to happen. And then I just, I just like froze. I was like a deer in the headlights. And like I say, they treated us like we robbed a store. You know, we got out of the car, walking backwards, you know, the whole nine yards. They put us all in separate cars, took us back to the store. When we got back to the store, they began to interrogate each person to find out 
who does this belong to, who does that belong to, and so on and so forth. I said, hey, that gun and those pills are mine. That's mine. I'm going to own up to what's mine. But y'all won't believe we had a whole gallon worth of codeine in that car. You ever held a gallon, a, a, a gallon of water before? That's a lot of drink, man. Even in the streets. Didn't nobody fool with no gallons unless you pass some money. You're talking $5,000 for it. So the police, when they found it, they began celebrating. They was high-fiving each other. So I knew, man, we, we were some big trouble. Now, my, my friend's brother had gotten in the car. Remember I told you he was the one who lived in Houston. And his brother actually signed a paper to the police that said it belonged to his brother who had nothing to do with it. I watched him do it. I watched the guy who bought the codeine sign a piece of paper and said it's not mine. It belongs to his brother who had just jumped in the car. And I remember his brother saying, man, what y'all doing, man? What, what y'all did? You know, he, he don't know what's going on. He's like, ain't nothing mine. Ain't nothing mine. He had already been to jail. He's like, no, I already got two felonies, man. This on y'all. And his brother signed off on it. But here's the, here's the real mystery about this whole story. And I'm going to move on. But I want to share this so y'all know where I come from. The brother signs off on the brother. I watched him take his truck off the flatbed and he drove off. The guy drove all the way back to Austin and got, and got the money that he had been hustling, hustling with and came and bailed us out. And I believe, I never had this conversation with him, but I believe that was why he did it. Because had he not done that, I would probably just be getting out of jail right now. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm describing? Now I'm thinking he just snitched on his brother, but he was going with all the money. And that's how I saw how money worked. He paid an attorney. The attorney went behind the door to, with the judge. <laughs> came back and said, go get probation. That's, you can't even do that by law. The charges that we had. But money governs law. Law don't govern law. Money governs law. And I think he might have gotten paid like 10 grand. So it wasn't no, you know, penny pension type deal. And the brother got five years felony. He got five years probation, straight probation that you can't get off your record. And they gave me three years deferred adjudication. Now, any of my criminal justice folks know deferred adjudication allows you to get your records expunged or, you, or allows you to get your, your records sealed. Well, about three years ago, I paid an attorney $1,500 and I got my records sealed from those, from those two charges. So if I go to about probably 90% of the jobs I may apply for, they won't even see that on my record. If I go for like a federal job or something like that, they'll be able to see it. Because they go back to the dentist records when you were like three years old and stuff. I mean, if you go for a federal job, they want to know everything about you. Who was your second grade teacher? What kind of grades did you have in second grade and stuff, you know? So the reason I share that story is because after I got out of jail from spending three days in the county when my friend bailed me out, 
man, I was, I was, I was in, I was in a wreck. Because I knew four years in college, and here I am with two state jail felonies, having to do probation now. My life was over. I remember sitting in the back of that cop car saying, my life is over, my life is over, my life is over. Those were the words coming out of my mouth. I knew I was done. How you gonna get a criminal justice degree and now go through the system? <laughs> That's crazy. You talk about practical experience. <laughs> I learned everything I didn't study. Everything I studied, I learned from practical experience. So I remember sitting, just sitting there for like a whole week straight, not wanting to move. When you're in a deep depression, and when the devil got you at your lowest point, you don't want to move, you don't want to go to the barbershop, you don't, you don't want to eat, sleep, brush your teeth. I was in that kind of state. And I remember my friend saying, man, come on, man, you need to get yourself together, man. And uh, I tried for about six months, going back to the club, you know, hanging out, and it just wasn't, it wasn't right, man. And a buddy of mine invited me to, uh, he invited me to a church. And when I tell you, man, I met the Lord for real, I met him for real. I met the man, I met the man, Jesus Christ. And from that day forward in 2006, it was toward the end of the year, I've never been the same. And I've been running for my life since 2006. And I, I met Latika in a year later, and like I said, we got married in 2009, but it's been a journey up until this point. You know, the journey is what this is all about. This thing is not something that happens overnight. This thing is a journey. It's the Exodus paradigm. Egypt, the wilderness, the promised land. Be coming out of the world, having to go through the wilderness so God can teach your hands to fight and your fingers to war. Man, I done been in some crazy churches. I done been in churches where they was talking about angel feathers was falling from the sky. Folks would come to church with these big, like, flamingo-like feathers and stuff, and they get up and tell testimonies of how they be praying and the feather appeared. I done been in some, I done been in some weird situations trying to find the Lord, trying to stay with God. But one thing I found is that when you really find Christ, and you really allow the Lord to, to change you in the inner man, he's going to keep you through all of that. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what, no matter where we went, God always brought us through those situations. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from them. Mm -hmm. You know, that applies in the natural and in the spiritual. God is trained, he trained us up. That's right. So I share that as a testimony because, you know, people think you've been saved all your life. But I didn't wear no suits. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was in the streets doing my thing. And it's crazy because when I met Latika, it was like the classic kind of thug dude, you know, and church girl paradigm. And it's funny. She'll tell you this story. She said, I always, she said, I remember praying to God that I wanted to reform thug. <laughs> <laughs> said she wanted to marry a reform thug. Because she knew, hey, if I'm in the street, the judge going to protect me. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to be wondering what's going on. But God changed me, man. He, he has totally transformed my life. But it's all been about what I've been taught and the knowledge that I've received. I wasn't changed when I was sitting in that little Baptist church in my college. See, if I was getting the right knowledge of Christ, 
then I probably would have never been sitting in that jail seat. You see what I'm saying? And up until this point, we've been plugged into this message for about eight years now. It's funny, I was looking back at the pictures, um, like the first conference. Was that first conference, we went to Six Flags. Was that the very first conference that we had? Well, I remember that one in particular as being one of the first conferences that we attended. And um, we went to Six Flags in, in Atlanta. And man, that's been about seven or eight years ago and been plugged into this ever since. But like I said, that's coming through, you know, big mega churches where you can get lost and folk in there just hiding out in the pew. Y'all know those churches? They got those churches where you live? <laughs> they don't go and they just they hide out. You never know they live. And then the small store, storefront churches, there's just like, what is going on? I mean, what, this is crazy. Coming from those situations to a stable, solid foundation at Omega Ministries. You know, one thing I'll say about this message is, as, as raw and in your face as it is, it'll stabilize you. You got to be grounded in You have to be grounded in this day and age. You can't be frenetic and running around. And you got to be stable, man. You got to have that, that ground really set in a foundation, a concrete foundation. So like I say, seven or eight years, we've been plugged into this, and God has forged me into a man. I'm a man now. You're looking at a man. <laughs> I am a man. That's something to rejoice over, you know? Coming from a single parent home, you know, moms do the best they can to raise their sons. But a mother cannot make a boy into a man. She can't do it. She needs some men around that's going to pour into that young boy. We talk about a rite of passage. You know, the Jews have it, a bar mitzvah, that young boy going through a rite of passage. They tell them, man, you got to put them video games up. That's what they do in other cultures. You can play video games up until a point until you're about 16 years old, somewhere in there. And they can put the video games up. And now you look at all of these young, young adults, what they still doing? Playing video games. Little boys. And it's a whole culture now around gaming. I know that, right? When I was young, we played Tecmo Ball. You played Tecmo Ball, Drew? Drew <laughs> We played PlayStation, Xbox, stuff in high school. But there was a cutoff point where we went outside and shot some hoops and stuff like that. Now these folks just sit in the and they just glued to the screen. You know the difference? They playing online. So they got somebody talking to them through headphones that might be in a whole other country. I mean, we played with the person next to us. You know, and that was like you were shoving them out the chair, trying to, you know, slapping them upside the head if you lost, you know, stuff like that. Now everything is online. And these kids just get glued to the screen as a 30-year-old boy, never having grown up. And that's what we miss, particularly in the African-American culture, is a rite of passage. You see it in other cultures. And we don't preach, you know, cultural, you know, like just because you see uh, quite a few black folks. We don't preach cultural, you know, things here, but we know we have to identify where we came from in terms of knowing what the strongholds of that particular culture is. You know, people who are white, their strongholds and their cultures are different from a black person. That's right. And people always say, you know, uh, you need to embrace your blackness. That's big now. Embrace your black, embrace your, embrace your blackness, your roots. And I'm one of those people that 
I know the I know the melanin content in my skin. I'm not stupid. I see myself in the mirror. So I know what the police officer sees when he pulls me over. You see what I'm saying? But if I'm around a white guy, I'm not a black man. I'm a man. You see what I'm saying? You blind from that standpoint. You're like water. Colorless, odorless patients. You can interact with anybody, talk to anybody, bridge over into any culture. And you know that culture is their own limitation. So you have to be sensitive to other people's culture and know that, hey, I may need to, you know, some people culture, they talk real close. They, they, you, you like, you, you'll back up and they'll get close to you. You ever talk to somebody like that? That's their culture. Some people's culture, they don't shake hands. They don't hug. In the Hispanic culture, they kiss you all on the cheek. All cultures are different. And God is not stupid. He's sensitive to know that to become all things to all men, that by all means you might win some. But that doesn't mean you, you know, begin to take on the bondage that comes with those cultures. A lot of strongholds that each culture has. So you got to be sensitive to them. So where was I? The knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. This thing is all about getting the accurate, correct knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you talk the wrong thing about Christ, you're going to end up in bad shape. A lot of people believe things like once saved, always saved. Jeremiah taught it on Wednesday how he had a friend who said, you know, I'm watching porn, man, and I'm thankful that God has forgiven all my sins. <laughs> thankful for the blood. <laughs> I appreciate the Lord for how he is with porn on his cell phone. That's the Jesus, you see how that's the Jesus that he served. The Jesus that says, you can do that, but my blood covers it. If that's the kind of Jesus you believe, you're going to be damned. You 007, you got a license to sin. <laughs> what we teach here is the fact that you got to stay in the middle of the road. On the far right, you have license, which is a, a license to sin. You can do what you want, do as you please, grace covers. And then on the far left, you have legalism. Don't touch, don't taste, don't move, don't talk, don't speak, don't blink. Don't think. What's in the middle? Liberty. Legalism, liberty, and license on the right hand side. Liberty is the goal. Jesus said, or the scripture says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that he set us free. So why would I come into church to be bound and chained again? Man, we're here to set folk free. That's what it's all about. But it's all about the knowledge. And now you got that being the place of worship. People worship knowledge. See how even, even if you hear me saying knowledge, you can begin to worship knowledge just by me saying the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. You can leave here saying, oh, it's all about the knowledge. Chapter 2, verse 6. That's not what I said. <laughs> it's funny how you say things and People hear what they want to hear. And you say, I did not say that. So he repeats that in verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. You see how he, he said it again, of him who called us by glory and virtue, 
by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world of love. So what do we teach here? That the gospel is organic. It's a nature. You don't have to, just because you're not barking doesn't mean that you're not a dog. You're a bark, you're a, a non-barking dog. And that's what people don't realize. This thing is a nature. If you are a sinner, you sin by nature. You don't try to sin. That's who and what you are. So God comes in through the word of God to change your nature. He extracts the whole nature and puts in a new nature. It's trash for treasure. It's you bringing God all your trash, all your problems, all your guilt, all your shame, all your mistakes, all your failures as a in a trash bag and God exchanging that nature through Jesus Christ and giving you the treasure of the Son. But it's nature-based. And that, that treasure planted in you has to take a root over time. And you begin to see the shining light. Like the Bible says, let your light so shine. You begin to see that shining light as God refines that gold. That's in you. you know, in Africa, you could walk around certain places and kick, kick diamonds because they look like rocks. But what do they do? They take that rock and put it under pressure. And that's how they that's how they get the impurities off of the diamond for it to shine the way that it does. That's what a diamond is. It's been under heavy pressure to be refined. It's just a piece of coal until it's put under pressure. That's what we are. You gotta go through the, the pressure of the word of God being applied to your life. I don't know why, why a lot of Christians feel like they need to become great or, or big or glamorous or not. Man, this thing takes time. It's a process. We preach a process here, a starting point, and not about trying to run to the finish line. There is no finish line. See, a lot of people are running like, there's the finish line right there. There is no finish line. You're just a, a running man. You run until you until you run through the door of heaven. You run from day one until you leave here. You never stop running. And some people, what they do is they get to a point and they say, man, praise God. I can quote five scriptures. <laughs> and they feel good and they feel accomplished. And that's it's nothing wrong with being able to quote scripture, but that's not a stopping point. You got to keep going. You got to keep moving in this thing. God is an endless treasure. So there is no point where you get to the bottom of the treasure chest and say, ah, I can stop here, man. Woo. No. I love um, I love science. You know, I think about stuff like the oyster and how oysters are made. I've taught this message before called the Pearl of Great, the Pearl of Great Price. You know what happens how they get uh, pearls? Is they fishing at the bottom of the ocean, scooping up those mollusks and those oyster shells. What they do is oysters are naturally produced in mollusks and, and uh, oysters or whatnot. Pearls are naturally produced. But what they do is, or what happens rather is, those grains of sand get into the shell of the oyster and it produces, it, it, it's actually irritating the oyster and it, the oyster is creating a substance that's producing the pearl. So the oyster is saying, this thing is irritating me all the while producing pearls. And what happens is when they open that oyster, 
because it had speech, it had sand and stuff injected into it, it uh, produces pearls. So Jesus says, I'm the pearl of great price. What happened? He was like that little piece of sand injected into the world. What did he do? He irritated the world. We don't like you. And what happens is, as, at a point where the, 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 pearl, the oyster, excuse me, the oyster has produced that pearl, it'll, it'll begin to it'll spit it out. That's what Jesus was to the world. He was the pearl of great price. He was an irritation to the world. He was a grain of sand in the oyster, only for him to be glorified. You notice when he was crucified, I mean, that was his most glorified state. And prior to the crucifixion, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration where he showed, he showed Peter, James, and John who he really was. They, they, we need to build. Come on, let's build some temples for us. Jesus, it's just me, man. It's just me. It ain't about Moses and Elijah. It's just me. So what is the church in the world? And grain of sin. See, if the church would just go away, the world would be fine. But we irritate people. You know you irritate people, they may not tell you, but you are an And that's what's, what's perfected. The Bible says too much suffering will enter into the kingdom. And it's the thing that everybody's trying to avoid. Everybody's trying to avoid the thing that perfects them. Suffering, persecution. That's the thing that's bringing you to the place that you need to be in. So this thing is all about the mind. It's all about the knowledge of Christ. He gave us the precious promises so that that nature of Christ that's been planted in you can grow and take a deeper root. So let's go on. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And let's, let's look at this list. We're going to look at this list closely. That's right. Add to your faith virtue. What does your Bible say? What's, the, what's your word for virtue? Goodness. Operating uh, as righteous. Goodness, okay. Any other translations out there? Moral excellence. That's the one that we'll use. Thank you. Moral excellence. Or develop moral excellence. Develop it. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self control. To self control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now look at this promise. Remember, we we have the promises of God that helps us to partake of the divine nature. Look at this promise right here in verse eight. For these things that were just listed are yours and are growing. If they're abounding, you will be you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in what the knowledge. That's what we're talking about. The knowledge, what you know about Christ, and what you know about Christ is based on your relationship with him. I always tell people, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's not what you know. It's who you know. So if you know a person who is Jesus Christ, that's the end game right there. It's about knowing him. Notice how I keep saying that. Now, I'm not making this up. That's the third time we've seen that. Verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. 
So when you start running and you start developing, you have the potential to become blind based on what the scripture just said. Because you would have forgotten where God brought you from. That's right. Turn to your neighbor and say, get it back. And don't lose it. Get it back. And don't lose it. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed for his whole sins. Have you forgotten day one? Where were you when God found you? You remember how you used to think, the things you used to say, the things you used to do? And now you're sitting here in your right mind. You can't ever forget it. Amen. That was the problem with the children of Israel. That's right. they, they kept forgetting what God had done. That's right. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, these things are written. So what? You don't forget what happened. This thing is about your ability to remember sitting in that jail cell, sitting in that police car saying, my life is over. But not allowing that to take you back whereby you stay in this wallow of Oh man, I was in the pit. No man, from the from the what, what you think about Joseph's life, from the pit to the palace, from the prison to the palace. But Joseph could have never forgotten where he came from. I don't know what it is with Christians. We forget. We forget where God brought us from. What He brought us out of. The nights we used to pray and weep before God, and somehow we get comfortable. I don't understand it. You can't ever get comfortable in this. This thing is a marathon. It's about running with pace. That's what the Bible says. It's running with patience. It's about becoming a person who learns endurance. This is not a sprint. It's not a 100 meter. It's not a 200 meter. It's not a 400 meter. This thing is lap after lap after lap. Deliverance after deliverance after deliverance. You thought you was free after that time you was rolling on the floor like a tumbleweed. You was getting free. You on your way to freedom. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Roll your way into perfection. Amen. The perfect man is the message on the internet. What does it mean? Maturity. People think, man, this is too hard. Just run the lap. <laughs> Just run the lap. But you say, man, you way ahead of me. Run your lap, man. Why are you concerning yourself with somebody else's race? You're going to get the prize for your, for your race. You might finish at lap 200. When you leave this earth, I might finish at lap 100. God is not going to, he's not counting laps. He's looking at if you keep running. There's a scripture, I can't quote it, but it's in Ecclesiastes and it says something along the lines of wherever that tree falls, that's where it's standing. You know what that means? However you die, whatever state you were in when you die, is how you'll leave here. That's right. I could stand up here, you know, soon preaching and all that, and and leave here, decide I want to commit adultery on my wife, leave my wife and kids, and die, and none of this would have mattered. Right. None of this would have mattered. That's that's 
That's where the fear of the Lord is now introduced. Yeah. <laughs> you see how now I need to fear God. I need to stay in awe of God. Because the Bible says what? Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. I mean, we live right here every day of my life. That's right, bro. On the edge of a cliff. That's right, bro. That's right. So if I live on the edge of the cliff, I probably should get on my knees. <laughs> because I'm less likely to fall if I'm on my knees. Better yet, lay on your face. Amen. <laughs> don't look, don't take a step back and lay prostrate. There's a, a, a quote that I've read that says, you stand tallest when you're on your knees. That's why, that's why fasting is so critical because Pastor Price said this yesterday and I was sitting back there shaking my head thinking, man, that's so true. Your mind just clears out and just because your metabolism slows down and your body, is, you don't have a lot of energy. So people come to you talking about stuff and you're like, I can't, I can barely move to that moment think about what you're talking about. And you, you find yourself saying, it's okay, it's all right, yeah, go ahead, do this. It don't make a difference. Especially when you're working. Look, see, I got the right crowd here. When you're working and you fasting, man, you ain't got time for nothing or nobody. You're just trying to keep yourself, you're just trying to keep one foot in front of the other so you don't fall. We listened to a, a teaching on fasting when we came here. It was like, it was from a worldly perspective, but a lot of doctors and stuff were talking about it. And they were talking about the science of fasting and how, you know, it's been a lot of mixed messaging in the health industry about eating three meals a day and stuff like that. They were saying how, fat, how, how powerful fasting was in terms of like what it does for the body, even just from a natural standpoint. So, you know, don't. Don't eat too fast. I know we don't have a lot of food, but you can you can you can injure yourself by doing that. Just reintroduce food back into your system in a gradual way. That food was good yesterday too. I was like, man, this fish good. Your taste buds are restored. Stuff you couldn't taste, you can now taste it again. Man, I, I was eating that food one piece at a time yesterday. I mean, I was just cutting one green bean at a time. <laughs> And I enjoyed that food. I ain't lying. Because of fasting. Mind just, you know, your mind is, you, you find it real easy to meditate upon the Lord, real easy to, to meditate on scripture. You just keep yourself in a state of praise and worship and just, you know, real slow. You know, I think when Jesus was on earth, that he didn't move that. I don't think he was in a rush to do nothing. And you see how, how we rush, how often we rush. That's right. I don't think Jesus was in a rush to do anything. Now, he had people rushing him all the time. Lord, you need to get here, get there. I'll be here. And you know that bothers people that you don't move at their pace? That's right. They want you to be submitted to how they live and how they move. And if they only, if they only understood, look, you may be rushed. It's not going to be good. Because, boy, that metabolism slowing down is, a, is an interesting thing. Look at all these things Peter is telling us to add to our faith. He lists eight things moral goodness or virtue, knowledge, self control, perseverance, 
godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Sure. And I won't spend too much time breaking all this down, but he says to give a lot of care and attention to adding these things to your faith. That's what the word diligence means. Yeah, but, but a lot of attention. That's right, boy. That's right. A lot of carefulness. That's right, brother. A lot of patience to add these things to your faith. Right. Now, the faith is the bedrock of everything that you have in Christ. It's your faith in Christ. But then he says, add these various things. I like that the fact he talks about virtue or moral excellence. And we won't turn there, but when you study the book of Daniel, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 5, he had what kind of spirit? Excellent spirit. And who was the one always being called up? Daniel. When you look at Daniel chapter 1, it talks about the, the rising of a new king. And it says that out of midst of, out of, the midst of all the various servants, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were identified as men of an excellent spirit. That's why you're promoted on your job. That's why you are somebody out there in the world. It's because you have an excellent spirit. Don't call me Junior. Tell me that. He said, I'm not Gary Junior. Gary Price the second. I was like, no, man. It's not Junior. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I never I never knew that there was a. I always thought that you had the same name as your dad. You were a Junior. So I learned something new yesterday. <laughs> Working hard, trying to be excellent, starting on time. Man, you gotta have it. We don't do sloppy. We don't do sloppy work here. Do you know that offends people that we try to operate in excellence? Because some people say they don't have to be that perfect. Yes, it does. Yes. They need to be as best as they can. God has a high standard for us. Now He don't slap you down if you mess up, but excellence is the standard. So He starts there, and then He says, "Add to." Moral excellence of virtue, knowledge. And that's what we've been talking about. Self-control. All of these things are the progressive steps of being perfected. This is about being fruitful in your relationship with Christ. Yes. Perseverance, your ability to withstand, to persevere, to keep going, man. Don't stop. Stay in the thing to win. That's why I respect the Golden State Warriors for the way they fought during last year's NBA championship, this year's championship. Kevin Durant getting hurt. Clay Thompson go down. Them boys were still fighting. Stephen Curry come out there trying to shoulder the team. That's what you got to have. When one part of your body gets injured, the other parts of your body go into overdrive That's and compensate right. for it. That's, right. That's the church. That's the church. If one person falls, man, we might need two people to step up. That's right. You see what I'm saying? I can't replace Pastor Price or some elder. It might take two of us to, you know, just hold a thing together. That's how this thing works. It's a team effort. Godliness. Godliness just simply means like God. God likeness. That's the best way to think about godliness. Brotherly kindness. Phileo. Phileo. Y'all know there's three meanings of love, right? Eros, which is just physical love, you know. Sex, erotic love, what husbands and wives share together in holy matrimony. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Phileo, brotherly kindness or love, 
is what uh, my friend Terry and her husband, that's y'all from Philly, right? The city of brotherly love. Yeah. It's the fact that you just care about your brother and sister in the Lord. You care about them. I taught a message, uh, not through the live stream, but in our fellowship in Houston, Houston called The Ministry of One Another. One Another. If you study the scripture, it has several references to love one another. One to another, that's right. One encourage one another. One to another. One another. Care for one another. Yes, sir. Talk the ministry one. of one another. One to another. Yes, one another. You, you study that in the New Testament. That list is so long. No, yes. What it talks about how we ought to be to one another. That's right, sir. Brotherly kindness. Right. I'm just here to support and make sure the family of God continues to move forward. Hebrews 10, exhorting one another. Provoking one another unto love and good works. That's what this thing is about. But the end goal is what? Love. It's that bride coming out of the bridal chamber ready to tie the knot with the bridegroom. And they're all there because of love. That's what the wedding is all about. It's all because of love. Jesus didn't save you because you were good or bad. He saved you because he loved you. That's right. Take Peter, for example. Peter was Peter was pretty crazy. Stepping out of the boat, speaking out of turn. But who was used on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Ghost fell. The rock. You know his name actually means the reed. Simon means the reed. No, reed is just a weed. Going in the weed. Jesus said, no, nah, you the rock. The reed to a rock is how this thing works. Lord, with every wind of doctrine, unstable, don't know what you believe, and God says, no, look yourself to me, and I'll give you a solid foundation. That's what he did with Peter. Notice how when Peter failed after he denied the Lord, Jesus didn't Jesus didn't forget about him. What did he ask him? What did he ask? What was the qualification for Peter to get right? You see how that ain't got nothing to do with church as we know it in the brick and mortar building. You fall or you do something crazy like Peter did, you excommunicate, buddy. Jesus didn't do that. He came to the boy and said, I know what you did, Peter. I told you what you was going to do. But you was too, he didn't say all that. <laughs> you were too bold and big headed. But he asked him, Do you love me? Be my hands. Love, man. That's what Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for people who love him to the point of denying him. See, my love for God is so great that I can't afford to get entertained by sideshow. You know, love will make you do some crazy things, man. You drive, you drive a long distance for love. There's folks in here that's been married, you know, you might have had a long distance part of your relationship, but you stayed with that person because you love them. So you got gross, which is physical, touch being a definition of love. You have phileo, which is brotherly love, caring for the saints, caring for others. And then you have agape or agape. I don't want to pronounce it. Agape love, which is the love of God. 
It's the love that a parent has for their kid, their bone-headed child is just, you look at them and you just, I just, I don't see it. <laughs> but you love them anyway. You love them in spite of them. Still challenging them, still requiring them to measure up, this is the standard, but I still love them. And that's what this thing is all about. It's about a love that gives. For God so loved the world, it's all about selflessness. That's why if you're not a servant, you, you're not going to be able to make it in. See, a servant is giving of themselves. They're pouring themselves out. How can I pour out? How can I pour out? How can I pour out? It's very, very crucial. So you add all these things to your faith, and God gives you a promise. He says, you'll never fall. You'll never fall. I kind of like that. That's right. you know, people always want to talk about falling. Jesus said these are the things that enable you not to fall. Not only that, but look at what verse 10 says. That's right. Therefore, brethren, be even more careful. Notice how there's emphasis now. Okay, I gave you the first layer. Now I'm going to add another layer. Be even more diligent to make your calling. And your election sure. That's right, sure. Why? For if you do these things, if your entrance, yes, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will yes, be so hard to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our right. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Man. So that might that means Peter might salute me when I come to you. Peter might be standing there. Welcome, brother. Welcome, bro. You made it. A yeah. glorious entrance. Now you can crawl in to the kingdom of God. You can walk in to the kingdom of God. Or you can have a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God. Yes, sir. That's totally up to you in terms of how you're going to walk now. Now, I wouldn't mind Abraham saluting you. I'm just saying. That wouldn't be bad. I'm just I'm not saying that that's my goal, but it wouldn't be a bad thing to see Abraham salute you more. <laughs> Elijah. Hey man, we've been watching, we've been watching that. Well done. You know, soldiers, that's that's what soldiers do. They salute other fighters. And that's how you want to be, man. You want to be somebody that's worthy of salute. The Bible says, walk worthy of your calling. That's why I said earlier, what is your calling? What are you called to do? What's your part? What piece are you to the puzzle? What player are you on the team? Very important to spend your time finding out your role. And God will show you as you walk along. You don't have to strain your brain to figure it out. That's not what I'm saying. But that's the question that needs to be answered. Because like we talked about last night, and I think you said this, Ronnie. Ronnie said, you know, when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you got something to say about what everybody else is doing. And I said, boy, if that ain't the truth, I don't know what it is. Spectators always talk about participators. But participators don't have time to talk about spectators because I'm trying to find what bag I need to get to where I'm trying to go. Me and Jeremiah used to go out in the streets of Houston and preach the gospel. We used to hit the streets. We didn't know where the front door was. All we knew was Jesus Christ was Lord and he said, go. And we would hit the streets with gospel tracts, books, whatever resources we had, we would hit the streets 
and go minister to people. And I'll never forget the night that we were really trying. I'm talking about, I ain't talking about goofing off. I'm talking about when you can get yourself killed and you know it. And you're standing there and you're saying, this could be the moment I die for Christ. We were leaving downtown Houston from preaching at a Rockets game. It was, no, it wasn't a Rockets game. It was a concert. You remember? Yeah, all-star, all-star season where they hosted it at the Rockets Stadium. Tons of people in the street. We down there preaching the gospel. And we were getting ready to leave. And where we were parked was right next to a gay club. And it was kind of, I was walking to the car. And I could see all of these, these homosexual men walking past me. And I felt something stir up in my, in my belly. And the Lord said, turn around. And I was thinking, for real? <laughs> Here, you know, like we, we just gave you an offering. <laughs> turn around. And in obedience to the Lord, we turned around. And I, mean, I looked at Jeremiah, I know he was thinking, this thing was crazy. We've been going in front of this club. See, but when you're out there, you can't afford to be scared. That's right. You can't afford to walk in fear, man, when you're out there. Great, bro. And I remember standing in front of that club, and it was like, it was like you could feel the wind. I mean, it was like everything was frozen in that environment. And it was a line wrapped around the building. And I stood on the corner where everybody in that vicinity knew, and I began to share the word of God. And man, they was listening so intently to every word I said. Because if I said the wrong thing out of flesh, I'd have got killed. They'd have killed me. You could feel, you could feel that spirit of murder. That if this joker's out here like some kind of cult preacher or something trying to tell us what to do, man, we'll get rid of you. We'll take you out back, dump you, and, and no one would have ever known. But I told him, I said, look, I remember it like I just. I said, look, man, we all been through something in our past. And whatever's happened to you in your past, I'm here to tell you, God will wash that off. I, I, was, I was going in. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't speaking softly, but God was guiding my mouth so as not to say something to damage them even further than they was already damaged. That's right. Why would you bring the word of God to damage somebody that's already damaged? God is trying to lift people up. He's not trying to castigate them even more. People get the word of God like a sword and they just begin to cut people up. That ain't the, that's not the deal that we that we got here, man. This thing is surgical. I literally had a scalpel in my hand, and every time I moved, they was watching my every move and every word. And they just stood there waiting in lines, listening. And I as I kept ministering, I could begin to see people shaking their head, like, man, that's me. And I made the call. I was like, God will forgive you right here, right now. He'll let you go free. And I could, I could see that they knew I wasn't there to, you know what I'm saying, put them in hell, which is what most people do. They just put people in hell. People got passion to put people in hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Like, Oprah, you get a car. You get a car. You get a car. Come on, man. But that moment, I remember that night, I began thinking to myself, this ain't nothing to play with. And we walked quietly back to the car. <laughs> Softly. You know. God, you close the door. You know how you close it and let it latch. We're 
to see what am I really made of. And everybody will have those moments. You'll have those moments where you're running a race and you'll get tired. And you'll be like, man, I'm trying, you know. I've had those moments here. I'm like, man, this is don't let up, you know. Anybody ever felt like this? <laughs> Got a big head in the pushing the gas because he's after excellence. He's after you being a perfect man or a perfect woman. Great for y'all. It's a battle for your mind. You know, life is a collection of battles. And every battle that you fight is for possession. It's to possess something. Whether that's your peace, whether that's your joy, whether that's your finances, it's all about possession. And you got to fight it. There's no sense in ignoring it or becoming an ostrich and putting your head in the sand. You have to learn how to fight it. It's as simple as that. You might as well go get you some steel toe boots and Get the shine. It's that simple. You gotta learn how to fight. Because you're gonna fight whether you're in Christ or not. That's right, Because that world don't let up off of And that's what we always say, man. I'm dying with my boots on. I'm gonna fight in Christ and leave with my boots on, prayerfully laced up. You hear me? Meaning I had them on. I wasn't taking them off. I wasn't like David caught up there in that bashful's naked body. Because we as men know that's the attack on a man. The Jezebel spirit is headhunting guys to take you down. And don't think that the devil still don't want you. The devil still wants you. He still wants me. And that joker works over time. Even when he tempted Jesus and said, okay, he, he said uh, that was for an opportune time. Meaning that he was coming back around to tempt him again. You can't ever think that the devil has let up off of you. And you gotta be the kind of person that say, forget about the devil's disposition. I ain't let up off of that joker. That's right. That's right. It's a prison break. When God let me free, man, it was like a prisoner running out, running out of the cell. You know, I've been excommunicated, I've been free. And man, that devil better get on his move because I'm running after him. I'm running after the joker that put me in that jail That's cell. Right. I'm running after the one who was inspiring me with them unclean thoughts right. and drove me down. He's right. not totally responsible, but this point that was the culprit in my situation. Right. We have a responsibility in it. Y'all realize that, right? Yes. Some of that stuff was just you being That's stupid. Right. That's right. People say, it's the devil, it's the devil. Everything ain't the devil. That's That's right. Right, bro. Some stuff is just you. That's right, old boy. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> a glorious entrance, man, into the kingdom of God. That's right, it is. Verse 12. For this reason, I would not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. What is the man saying? He's like, you know what I'm telling you already. We hardly say a lot of new stuff here. But the man said, I have a responsibility to keep reminding you so you don't forget. That's why we preach every Wednesday, every Sunday, and every opportunity we get. So you don't forget. Because it's easy to forget where God is bringing, where he brought you from, and where he's taking you to. He says in verse 13, 
Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent or body, to stir you up by reminding you. That's right. Knowing what? That I shortly must put off this tent or body, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful or diligent to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. This man was getting ready to die. Jesus told him, you're about to die. Remember I said earlier, this was around the time when Nero was persecuting Christians. Boy, they were slaying Christians left and right. Jesus told Peter, you're about to die. And this is the man's words before he leaves. You know, what you say before you die, are those are choice words. The words that you say before you leave. What would you say? What would be your last words if you knew you were going to die? What kind of letter would you write to your kids? What would you tell the people that you love if you knew you were going to die? What would you say? And this is what Peter says. Add to your faith. Be careful. Be diligent. Don't get in a hurry. This thing is a process. Do y'all see this? And that's why we're here. It's about forging soldiers of life. People that fight according to the correct knowledge. The light of God's word. That's why we're here. And man, I pray to God Almighty that he raise up through this time. I know he is. It's not if he raises us up. If he raises it up, it's when he raises it up. Can y'all imagine a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week face camp? Yes. Praise and worship around the clock. Preaching, teaching around the clock. I'm I'm saying, seriously, sit here and imagine that. Yes. Yes, Lord. What you feel when you come in this environment, the the joy, the love, the fellowship, 24 hours a day, you see why the devil don't want it to come to pass. He don't want to see no dunamis, man. He don't want to see that. A place where people can come at three in the morning because they work whatever shift they work. Everybody don't work nine to five. The church is a hospital. It needs to be open all around the clock. The devil does not want to see it. And all we look for is folks that say, that's the vision. I'm all in. I'll be there to greet them when they come in. I'll be the nurse to draw blood when they get past the intake. I'll be the doctor. I'll be, well, not the doctor. Jesus is the great physician. <laughs> but I'll assist him to help heal these wounds. I want to be in this thing. It's got to be personal. This thing has got to be the ball all in your court. And I heard somebody challenge me to a basketball game. Where is she? Where is she? Who's responsible for this blasphemy? This is blasphemy. Naive, you want me? Do you know who I am? Have they told you who I am in the streets? I'm Patrick Berry. Y'all don't know who Patrick Berry is? He's a dog. You ain't getting around me now. Pastor Price, better repent. Better repent. He told him 
couldn't get around me. Ask Jeremiah. He got his challenge when I'm digging him up. Now that would be fun, real, to go out and shoot some boots. I think Jeremiah asked uh, where the court was. What'd they say? Seven minutes away. I brought my clothes. <laughs> Deliverance, 
it's very important that your will is engaged. Amen. What do I mean? It's not that you are just like, like you leave the room and you leave your body here. You're engaged. You are there to assist us as we help you get free. Amen. I'll give you an example. In, well, for five years, I was a property manager, basically a landlord. So I was the person who would help you get into the apartment and kick you out of the apartment. <laughs> you didn't pay your rent. But what happened is, whenever I had to evict people, in some cases, the letter that I wrote to them, they didn't respond to it. I would say, hey, you got five days to get out of the unit due to non-payment. They just blow the letter off. So my next process, my next step in that process was to go down to the constable's office and file an eviction notice. So I took it up higher. The constable sends out the notification. The landlord has notified us you have to pay your rent. You got three days. In some cases, they don't even respond to the letter from the courthouse. What happens next? The constable shows up with a truck ready to move you and your stuff out. What am I saying? An authority shows up to assist those demons from leaving that house. And you have to be there to help the constable. Amen. There's three parties. The constable or the minister, however you want to classify them. You and the demons. When that demon surfaces and you know, hey, this is my hour and my time to get free, don't start acting crazy. <laughs> Just, hey, look, whatever I'm told to do by the constable, that's how I would show up when the constable was When the constable got there as the landlord, I said, what do you need me to do, officer? He would say, stand down. And in some cases, he would say, go and get additional staff to help me, help me to help him so he would always incorporate he would always incorporate me as the landlord and the additional staff to help assist the tenant with me. And when they saw that, when they see that, that thing on his hip, hey, trust me, they're they gonna get moving. <laughs> you know what that thing is, right? Yeah. That thing is a Smith and Wesson nine millimeter or a Glock 27 or 40, perhaps. And that's how you gotta enter into this point. And what that means is, this is what I'm about to say is so important as a believer, especially for younger believers. If you believe that you're under the right government and the right leadership, do what you are told. Very simple. Amen. Because you believing that it's the right leadership means, hey, they have my best interest at heart. Nobody's here to harm me or hurt me. Everything is designed to see you move up the road and get free. At that point that you settle that, do as you're told. Remember, I'm standing next to the constable saying, whatever you need, sir, I'm here to support you. In some cases, he would say, I don't need any help. Because in some cases, he had to deal with an irate tenant. He had to deal with a tenant that was, you know what I'm saying, fighting mad. And in other cases, the tenant just bowed the knee and he didn't need my help. Now, if the tenant was mad, he Come on, you know, he, he, in some cases he would say, I need your assistance. So you are the person that's saying, I want whatever this is that's in me, that's been tormenting me. The man was tormented. Yes, he ran to Jesus 
That's him. That's him saying, man, I've been out of these tombs. Man, finally, my answer is here. He reigned. What is it? It's the power of your will. You got to engage your will. Too many, we, too often we take a dormant place in our own delivery. You can't be dormant. Man, you got to pay whatever I need to do to get free is what I'll do. I mean, you are a person that's saying, what's the next instruction? What do I need to do? I'll sit, stand, run if I need to. That's how desperate you got to be in this. I don't know how desperate you are, but God responds to desperation. You can cry a river. He's responding to desperation. How do I know that? Zacchaeus is climbing up in the tree because he heard Jesus was coming to town. He was a man of short stature. The Bible looked up. The Bible says Jesus looked up at the tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm having a dinner in the house tonight. Come down out of that tree, boy. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Man, be quiet, blind. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. He cried the louder. The Bible gives us all of these instances of people who were hungry and thirsty for a change. You can't be passive. You can't sit on the sideline and say, if I get delivered, it's all right. Or if I... No, 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 no. Jake used to say that. No, 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 no. Little Jake. If I need to come to the front, if I need to stand in the back, if I need to get Royce's guitar and start strumming, whatever I got to do, I want to be free. That's right, bro. I want to be free. That's the cry. And the Bible singles out people so that you can see how to come to Jesus. Zacchaeus, blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, get out my way. That's the man with my change. I imagine she, she, she might have entered a few folk, you know, trying to get to the Lord. Just a touch. Yes, the hem of his garment. Man, yes, sir. Speak. Blood dried up. Speak. Right. Zacchaeus is an interesting character. You know what I like about him? His name actually means pure. What does the Bible say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And he's really compared to the rich young ruler because he was a tax collector. So the joker wasn't, you know, he didn't have lead in his pocket. The boy had some coins. Because the tax collectors was overcharging people. And you see his response was, I'll give whatever I need to give. Or Thank you, right. you notice that was his reaction? But the rich young ruler, in contrast, didn't want to give anything. You see, you see the contrast of, of two people groups that are, are the same. Same type of person. One was willing to give everything. The other one wasn't willing to give anything. Righteousness and self-righteousness. The power of your will to engage in the war to be set free is what this thing is all about. We're trying to grow. What about the centurion? What did he say? You know, you got to come to my Lord. Just speak a word. My servant. How did he recognize that? Because he was a man of authority. Heard us say it. You can't have authority unless you're under authority. He says, I 
Jesus is under the authority of God the Father, and I have soldiers under me, and that when I give a commandment, they move. You don't even have to come to my house. Your word can heal my servant. Jesus said, I have seen faith like this in all of Israel. And the man was a Roman centurion. So we got to get our fire back. You remember they used to talk about, man, being on fire for the Lord. What happened to that? Get it back. Stir it up. And don't lose it. Because it ain't going to be the same that second go around, that third go around. Let's wrap this up. Matthew chapter 9. Y'all up? I didn't come to bore you. Tomorrow. Good morning. Appreciate it. Command authority is how you operate. If you're offended by commanders, this ain't the place for you. Sister standing there. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm focused on what's ahead, but I'm strengthened when I see other people making their stand. We say it all the time, a band of brethren. That's all this thing is about. Meaning that because I'm looking forward, I'm, I'm looking forward, walking forward, which means that I begin to walk forward and no one else moves, guess what I'm going to keep doing? I'm going to keep on walking. But if I begin to move and march forward and that line is marching with me, come on, man. Come on. That's power. You ever seen a military march? I haven't been in the military. My father was an army vet. And I have a high value for people who fought for any country, any, any, anybody that was willing to take a righteous stand to defend their country. I have a lot of respect for that. But man, you see a, a military, a military band of people walking together, man. Boy, it ain't nothing like that sight. That's what God is after in the army. Soldiers of light. That's what that's I mean, this is we didn't just pick that because it sounded good. This thing is about folk that got their armor on and have settled this thing that I'm gonna fight the good fight. Come hell to hot water, I'm gonna fight this thing. And my eyes are set on that man in front of me, the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of who comes. But I make the call and the charge based on the scripture. We need more laborers. We need more laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he sent forth laborers into his harvest. Would y'all agree that the harvest is plentiful? Yes. Would you agree that it's even more plentiful than it was when Jesus said here? Guess what? It's fewer laborers now than it was when he said. Does that make sense? He had 12, 11, at that time. He was 12, almost a devil. He had a letter of folk that were committed. And them boys turned the world upside down, or right side of it. <laughs> That's all it takes, is the faithful key. But when we, what we saw in Second Peter was the need to add to your faith, excellence, excellence knowledge, knowledge, self-control, Self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness. Oh, <laughs> Do y'all hear me? That's what this thing is all about. So as we move into Saturday, don't sit on the sideline. Engage your will to get free. And listen. Very clear what you're asked to do, and you don't have to do more or less. Some people try to deliver themselves. <laughs> maybe if I throw myself down, you know, I've seen that before in church. Maybe that will work. Maybe if I just go, ah, that will make the demon come out. Nah. Relax and enjoy the ride. It's bumps along the way, but God is going to bring you to the finish line. Turn your neighbor and say, get it back. Get it back. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. In Jesus' name, stand to your feet and we'll close out in prayer. Thank you, Lord. The word of God that comes to set us free, that comes to make us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's a light to 
our darkness. God, we humble ourselves before you now. We lift our eyes to the hills from which comes our help. And God, we pray for deliverance. We pray that wherever we're bound, you break the chain. You break the fetter. Right now, I bind every demonic power that's entrenched into the souls of these people until they come out of deliverance. We muzzle you in the name of Jesus Christ. Shut your mouth until you come out of deliverance. In Jesus' name, God, give your people the boldness. Give them the grit. Give them the perseverance. Give them the faith. Give them the stand. To see this thing through. We pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this place. For those that have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I pray you would pour out your spirit upon their lives, God. Lift your hands even now and say, God, I need your spirit. I need your spirit, oh God, to fill me so that I don't have to think with my mind. I can submit my mind to the mind of Christ. I don't have to figure it out. I can yield my heart to the Holy and be led of him. This is too dynamic to have a thinking person that's trying to figure it out. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Say, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. God, we pray right now for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I pray receive ye the Holy Ghost. We've been fasting and praying, God. We've been dead in this flesh, Lord God. Fill us up in the name of Jesus Christ. Refresh us again. Pour out the Spirit in this place, oh God. The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Manifest your presence here and now, God. That we might be changed in the inner man. That we might be changed from the inside out. That we might never be the same. I don't want to leave the same. I don't want to leave with the same problem. I don't want to leave afraid. I came scared. I don't want to leave scared. I came shy. I don't want to leave shy. I need boldness. I need to get it back. I need my fire back. I need my joy back. I need my peace back. I need the love back. In the name of Jesus, get it back. Get it back. Come on. Push in. Press in. This thing is a fight. Give us the strength, Father God. We need laborers, Lord God. Raise these men up. Give them their manhood back. Restore their testosterone. We curse the Ahab spirit. We curse the Jezebel spirit. We disarm you. We disallow you. We reject you and every word you've spoken over our lives. In the name of Jesus. Restore the women, God. That was out there in the streets whoring around. Restore their femininity. Restore their virginity. Restore their ladylike. Restore their feminine mystique. Restore, God. Restore. Renew. Revive. Refresh. Come on. Pour out. Open up the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing, God. Fill us with the Holy Ghost. Stir us again. Come on. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We're not here to just hang on the beach. We're not here to just have fun. Man, I'm here to get free. I'm here to be made over. I know it's time almost over, but if I got the Terry, I'm Terry. Take us back to Terry. We need to hang around a little bit. We need to stay a little bit longer. We 
into in a rush. Turn into you being down with power. Lift up those hands. Lift up that voice. Cry out unto the Lord. The deliverance is here. It's now. Today is the day of salvation. You didn't fast for nothing. You didn't pray for nothing. You didn't come on this way for nothing. The deliverance is here. Come on. Press in. Get on your face if you need to. Let your faith if you need to. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. Of freedom. 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 I got to be free. 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 Lose me from this chamber. Lose me. Lose me. Lose me, Lord. Lose me, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Stop sitting Stop looking. Coming for you. In the name of Jesus. He's here. He's here. He's here. Set us free now. Break our chains. Break our bodies. Destroy our lives. Destroy it in the name of Jesus. We repent. We repent of And ask for your forgiveness. We heal our hearts, Lord God. Why you flood the earth? Flood our vessels. Continue to the song. Flood the earth. Flood this vessel, Lord God. I don't want to think more. Think too much. I'm thinking myself into a coma. I'm thinking myself to be into being. Delivering from my own mind. I need my mind. I need more emotions. My emotions are in order. My emotions are out of whack now. I feel sad when I should be happy. I feel depressed when I should feel joy. Oh God, restore my emotions. Sanctify my enemy. Draw me closer to the cross of we got to go back to Terry. We're too ready to leave. Too ready to leave, still in our chain. We want to stay in the upper room for 10 days. They didn't know what they were waiting on. They didn't know what it looked like. And then the Bible says, suddenly, the Holy Ghost came down. Make the suddenly happen here. Now, Lord. Now, God. Yes, Lord. 
come forth. No time to be dashed. No time to be shot. Show forth the gifts. Show forth that I've been called. Show forth that I've been elected. And I'm going to walk in this thing. Get it off of me. Come on, we denied ourselves for you to take us up. Set the captain free. Set the captain free. Come on, Lord. Sweep through this place like a mighty, mighty Russian do. Tim, play that in the river. It's time to get in the river. It's time to get in the river. You come alive in the river. You don't come alive looking. You don't come alive watching. Get yourself in that river. Don't put your foot in. Dive in the river. Get in the river, I say. Get in the river. Come on. Your freedom is in the river. Your deliverance is in the river. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. Come on. Thank you. 
It's like your body. It's really a body. You know, your body lives because every cell and every molecule and every structure in your body sustains the life of the body. You know, doctors will try to take out some organ in your body and say you don't need it. It's got a purpose. They just don't know what it is. We'll approve we'll your opinions. We're doing of God. you got to know you 
and know that I need this right now. I need baby food right now. And that'll be an environmental place where you can grow in that level of development. That's what we're looking at. There's two elements that are necessary for this to happen. One is Holy Ghost power. See, without Holy Ghost power, you got nothing. The Holy Ghost will have to come and do this all by himself, hands off. You know, you can't touch the ark, then you die. The Holy Ghost has to govern his train. And two is money. See, the numbers, I, when, I talk, when I think about money, $100 million or $2 billion is joke money. $100 million is what they play one NBA player now. You know, some baseball contracts that are $400 million. We're, we're trying to save the whole world. And one guy in left field is making $400 million. $400 million to save the whole world. That's one guy playing for the Yankees or something like the Red Sox. One guy. And all the resources we need to save the whole world. I mean, look at it, man, for what it is. But see, the fact that we're here to save, save the people out of the world and then leave it is what puts the brakes on for 90% of the Christians that confess Christianity. They don't want to leave the world and bring it to a conclusion. They want to just create an environment to enjoy the world. We're not here to enjoy the world or be entertained by the world. We're here to do a job that God has ordained us to do and then depart. We call it a preparation for a departure. That's the goal. So when your mind shifts over there, you find very few professing Christians that fit into this mold. That's what we wait on. We circle the wagons over and over again, again in the same, around the same amount, waiting for God to bring the right-minded people on a mountain. We got to believe that God has actually forced these people on a global basis. We've tried a lot of different activities, a lot of different conferences. A lot of y'all have been around to the different ones. And people don't have staying power. Because the devil is always going to sift you like God said, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has designed you to sift you like wheat. Satan is always going to always come and sift through you to see if you got staying power. If you fall away, it's because you have something in the world you still want. All the devil is looking for is what's in you like himself when he sifts you. And then he can make you an offer that was too good for you to refuse. A lot of guys who are called to be the foundation of the church, the pillars of the church, they have egocentric personality traits whereby they want to be somebody. They hang around wanting to be a, the next apostle or prophet that they heard about back in 1980. They're trying to be crypto dollar Kenneth Copeland. That's dead. There's no more of that. That's gone. But people still try to have something they call it a stupid ministry. My ministry. That's stupid. It's gone. That's over. It's a body ministry now. You got to have a group of people who see the functionalities of the body and they endeavor to do their particular function with no consciousness of surrounding. I perfect, I perfect my gift and I do what I'm told from the head of the body, which is the same as the brain on your body. Jesus is the brain of the body and your brain controls your whole body whether you're conscious of it or not. You're not going to walk out of that back door without your brain sending signals to your body to tell you to move. You can't talk, you can't see, nothing. And everything that is organic in you, what the brain instituting instructions to it, the ability to do what the brain says is governed by the flow of the blood. No blood flow, 
Your brain can desire something all day, but your body can't do it because there's no blood in that part of your body. So Jesus is the brain and the Holy Ghost is the blood flow. Jesus' brain ordains it and wherever the spirit flow with no restrictions, you can get activity and participation. So that's plan, that's one of the plans right there that we're looking at. I'm thinking, averaging it out around $5 million for the whole six building complex to establish a base camp. It's already sitting there, been there for two or three years, more than that, probably up to six years, seven years baking. I contacted that uh, media group that Hope owns that theater. I haven't got a response from them because you know any commercial property can be donated to a non-profit organization and a tax crowd for it. So you try to do you know, try to put real lazy this stuff, you try behind the scenes. <laughs> but we don't have an influx of that kind of money. You can you can have one guy there with hundred million dollars and it's on. But that data paradigm shifts is the day you got to be ready. That's right. Because when it shifts, nobody's gonna tap the brakes back. Because we're going to really do what I'm saying. It's not going to be somebody getting a Gulfstream jet or a But if we're here to be scorched earth behind us, moving fast, not, not thinking about any material possession. Money is a tool to fuel the jet, man, as we actually go through here and launch out of here. You know, the, the, the going through this is the runway. And at the end of a runway, you better have a scent. Well, y'all get ready to crash. <laughs> so we coming down that runway. Everything behind us is in the past, and we're going to lift out of here and leave them with it. And then they'll be faced with the revelation and manifestation of the Antichrist. Remember, the Antichrist is concealed for three and a half years, then to be. I believe everything we've gone through in the last 30 years is preparation for the end. As we approach 2020, I believe we're approaching culmination. Incrementally, we can see the changes. 20 years ago, a transgender would have been in an insane asylum. But now he is authoritatively telling you how it's going to be. <laughs> Look at the change in your, in your lifetime. You've seen from the time you grew up at 10, 15, 20 years old to you being now 50 or 60. Look what it changed from and look what it changed. I'm telling you now, if you think logically, if you've seen time change the environment, that much in your lifetime, that can tell you what the progression of the next 10 years will be. And it's rapidly doing what? Corrupting and degrading. So your thing is, let me get with God and diametrically change against this environment so I'm nothing like it. And you get further away by the transformation of the mind to change you and how you think and push further away from the world. The distancing yourself from the world by transformation. So those kinds of people can see what I'm saying. Those still having some type of a love for the world and want to still be here, everything is a curse thing to them because they don't want to see the world in. They still have a pony race in the world. So you got to check yourself to see what your value system is and what you really want. All you can do is ask yourself to see if there, if there anything world that I want more. Than Jesus Christ and I mean, if I know people, lately what happens to you, the world begins to grow dim and it makes you, you get a, 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 a feeling like you're like, I wish that was, this would just go away. And that's normal. That's, that's the way you should normally think as a Christian. 
pause in between two opinions, whether to leave and be with Christ or stay here with you. And the only reason I stay with you is because it's necessary for you to grow. If it wasn't for you, I'm ready to go. That's a normal Christian. If you have anything in you other than that, you're abnormal, or else you need to be born again. You haven't been born again. And examine yourself to see if you're in the right place. In the right way. That's how it looks. The church that building, like I said, purchase price, we push out of those if you get it. You know, they're ready to get rid of it. This is all back home stuff. The have out around there with commercial property. That's why you know the economy is not be sustained because all these banks holding on commercial with the internet being the retail arm now for America, these these buildings are not coming back. You got strip malls and malls It's all over the country. You got to hold in the note. What are they going to do? They got to dump them. They're going to dump the property. And then that's when we come in. I don't want to call us vultures. <laughs> that would be screwed in. <laughs> you know, it's God on the move. But all God needs is some people that catch a hold of the vision and make it their thing. They're no longer spectators looking at it. All I do over the years is stay alive. Have someone to live and live from year to year waiting. We try to keep we keep sixty thousand dollars always on hold. Outside of what we spend on other stuff, we keep we try to all kinds of radio broadcast. We've done big promotions on billboards for organic gospel that cost sixteen to twenty thousand dollars, designed to have a fuel supply to, to drive this, this vision. But like the organic gospel, you will find you about the organic gospel in church. It makes perfect sense, and they can't see. That's supernatural. That's telling you that the mind has been arrested in church. That they don't really understand spiritual things. They go to church with a carnal mind. And they can only ingest entertainment and singing and stuff like that. But it requires thinking, analytical processes, critical thinking skills, analysis, the ability to draw conclusions from data provided. They can't do it. I'm, I'm talking about people, people with PhDs can't understand this. Because it's not given to the intellectual in the flesh. It's a spiritual thing that only spiritual can see. So you see how it works. We've got to replicate ourselves. What's the challenge to all of us? There's no reason for this group right here not to be 500 to 1,000 strong next year. I say this every year. All you got to do is replicate yourself. Birth other folks into the kingdom, disciple them personally for you. Don't look for anybody else to do it. Folks always give me an excuse and call it a reason. But everybody I talk to, you know why, you know why that happens? They can't hear you because you chose to talk to them, the Holy Ghost didn't lead you to them. That means the hours of prayer and fasting necessary to see those that God is calling has to be put before you in a life of fasting and prayer and self-depreciation and self-denial. So the Holy Ghost can lead you to the people he's called and chosen. And not you trying to think of your old college roommate to go talk to. They may be a damn sinner that's a reprobate that will never be saved. You got to have instructions of the Holy Ghost to hit fruitful ground. Remember when you're mining for gold? You can dig all day until you hit what? Huh? Pay dirt. Pay dirt. You hit that scoop of dirt, 
and it shovels up and you see those golden granules in the dirt, all the miners start yelling and running because we hit pay dirt. Pay dirt is where the gold is. The Holy Ghost will lead you to pay dirt and you won't be wasting your time. And you'll find that when you start leading people to Christ and get them saved, you're going to find a dynamo turn up on us because that makes you generate. Because when you got a genesis in you, when you got conception and you got everything's coming out of you, it's going to enthrall you, it's going to captivate you and give you hoopers to keep doing. Save five people in the next six months and see how you just can with it after a while. Because it's not what you do, it becomes what you are. I am a deliverer. I bring salvation. This is my thing. You need to change your scope from your silly job. All your silly home stuff that you don't go on in your family and become a person that is an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist and that gives you power. When you got the Holy Ghost pouring through you, guess what he also does as a sidetrack? He, he, he generates you. Holy Ghost power coming through you generates you. And that dynamo just turns on. And you think about this all the time, that nothing else on earth that matters, everything else goes strange and strange with them. You're a generated, dynamic person. Doing this power operates inside the gospel. So become evangelistic, but do the primary things and the mechanics to become evangelistic. Fasting, prayer, praise and worship. Just bathe yourself in the things of God. You'll suffer to everything God wants to do and say. And he'll point out to you who he's out. And you give it time. See, some people receive it immediately. Some people you got to go through what? Sowing, reaping, planting. You got to go through breaking off, planting, some watering. God will give the increase and they'll be born again. It's a process, but you got to get in it. The only way for us to do what we do, I've come to the conclusion that our field is not in church. Most of these folk are religious to bound to a denominational mindset and they've been programmed and they're like automatons, they're like robots. They're just caught up in something that's fantasy stricken and you can't break that chain off of them. Some of them can, but it's going to be those that outside of that spectrum have solved it off for themselves and they can be receptive when you finally talk to them. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying, hey, look, the difference when I was talking to a teacher, she said, look, kids today, don't have any notion, any any conception of God whatsoever. God is an a unknown commodity to them. I said that can be positive or negative. One is negative because they know nothing about God, so they are just alienated from the life of God within them. But the positive is you don't have to contend with religion in them. When you get to them, they you are the first interaction with the Christian they'll see. And you've got an open doorway to somebody that doesn't have existence of religion in them. That can be a positive. So when they get born again, you can take them and disciple them as fresh fruit. They got nothing in them for you to contend with. They see it, they get it, and you're the only source of their knowledge. That means you got to be right. Because if you're crazy and you go off, you're going to deter them away from Christ because you've gone crazy. So first, you get right, get your mind clear, get your emotions right and healed up. Don't be entrenched in your feelings and control of witchcraft and all these nuances of wrong spirits. 
so that you got fresh water pouring out of you because you get a person that knows nothing about God and you're their only source of revelation, then you've got to be pure inside and the water's got to be clean. Tell you, man, this is going to be fast paced now. God's going to pick up the pace. So everybody that's going on show better go ashore for real because it's going to be rapidly moving. Because I'm telling you, he raised this thing up and we are not going to slow down the train. Right now, the train is at the station parked outside. But buddy, that train start moving down the track. Five miles down the track, that train, that train is going full tilt. And you're not breaking the train now, buddy. Hobos can't jump on this one because this is the express. I'm telling you, it's going to be moving. So that's all this stuff is standing there just waiting. Builders, designers, architects, already I got them already. The church design already set up. Every nuance has been thought out is in place. All I need is the cash and we're gone. I know who to call right now. I know where everybody is. I know where all the folk are, all the uh, builders, all you got you got church firms that carry out the whole process. Hands off. You hand it over to them, they build the whole thing out. The designs are already in place. Everything is functional, there's no problem, everything can just roll over. And you know, you get done quickly if you got money. See, things slow down and don't progress when you don't have money. When you got money, the big boys come in town then, but the big builders come in. These boys don't play, they bring heavy crews in. And they move the dirt and they get stuff done fast. That's one option. Our base camp has got these buildings in place and ready to go. Now the original plan. Next slide, show this back slide. And this is a vacated strip mall. It can be set up for either a school or a temporary uh, uh, place for those staff having to operate. Get in there and we'll do it on a temporary basis. This is around the corner from this next slide. Keep going. That's the same place. That's how big it is. This is 12 plus acres that sits right on uh, I-75 South between Atlanta and the, and, the, and the Florida border. Right outside of Atlanta, it's about uh, 10 or 15 minutes from the airport. But that's heavy traffic coming from Atlanta into Florida. You know what I mean? That is, this is right on the highway. You look to the right and then the right of that, that lot right here, 12 acres. The other plan would be to build a facility from the ground up to the tail and make it and design it just like we wanted. But the moment it is, so can we just tell the main and reconstruct it just like we want? Because what we have in mind is a holistic environment that covers everything from the gospel being preached to deliverance to teaching everybody all the dynamics of, uh, of walking with the Lord and taking care of your health, nutrition, exercise, every nuance of a human being has got to be a holistic, a holistic environment where everything is covered. Spirit, soul, and body. That means you concentrate on getting your spirit man up to 100% operation, your soul being cleansed by getting your mind right. See, if you get your mind right, your feelings, emotions, and every nuance of your soul will follow. So we work on your mind through knowledge. Spiritual man, spirit man is worked on by way of revelation. Mind is worked on by knowledge. And the body requires bodily exercise. Bible doesn't say bodily exercise doesn't profit you at all. It profits you little compared to the spirit and the soul. 
But you can't do the gospel work necessary to be done if you're not physically fit and healthy and eating right and that kind of thing. Because everything is not a thing. Did you know that? Some of your tiredness is because you're ingesting the wrong thing. See, all that's got to be balanced out. We're not stupid. You know, everything is not the devil. Some things are caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. That's real. You know, you've got chemical imbalances and you've got doctors that can physically use all kinds of drugs and things. They can't fix it, but they can alter it to make the balance of the chemicals, you know, change. And depression will lift off of You know, and other things that are bothering you, anxiety because it might be chemical imbalances. But also, you got demons that cause chemical imbalances. So it's, whole, it's a lot of moving parts in this. That's why you need the revelation of the Holy Ghost about whatever's going on at that particular time. It's not a cookie cutter, cutter remedy in this. You got to know God and God has to tell and show you what's going on. Physicians are a blessing from God. Everybody telling you, you go to the doctor, you know, the devil, you, they're crazy. They're crazy. Because Jesus did not speak against physicians. Luke is a physician. Amen. You know, the doctor can do what the doctor do. But when you hit that wall whereby it's a spiritual problem, the doctor can't fix that. You need another doctor and he's not from here. That's what it's all about. So, you know, so the other thing we, we can do is we can build it from the ground up or the base camp can be set up in those six buildings I just showed you. I'm just showing you the thinking process we have in place to get things done. And like I said, we already had construction companies. We, you got a builder called the Mega Church Builders. So they fit the prototype exactly yeah. what we need. <laughs> <laughs> we just build the thing, renovate the thing, get it up and running. At that point, you'll find a lot of people operating in the environment to teach and instruct folk that are just moving parts. Because if you're running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you got to have a lot of moving parts. It can't be like a pastor on the throne up front. You've got to have teachers and evangelists and pastors and, and, and all these operating parts always doing business and doing what they do. Along with administrators, you need folks that are proficient and even have a clinic and healthcare, our own healthcare facility. Stuff like that, man. I mean, we need auto repairs. You know, we got a part of the ministry dedicated to auto repair, change for especially for single women and women that have kids by themselves. There's a lot of moving parts that we become a self-sustaining, self-sufficient military base. If you ever been to a military base, a station that you know the military base is designed to be a city in the city. They don't need any out. They got their own water supplies. Their own gas comes into the tanks on the on the military base because if the city is attacked, the military base is supposed to be self-sustaining. Their own stores. Everything is there on the base and it's self-sustaining. That's what one become. If you read Acts, that's what they became. They didn't become ostracized and exclusive, but they were self-sustaining because everybody had the same light, precious faith, same vision, same purpose. The Bible says they had one mind, one heart. What we're looking at is the return of David's mighty men of valor. Every man that served David had one thing in purpose. David must be crowned king. And we have the same vision for Jesus Christ. His kingdom must come. It's all you care about. Everything else is substandard and unnecessary. The king 
must come to rule his kingdom. And that's what brings the hatred from the devil. Another king with another kingdom. He's the god of this world as long as this world exists, and it's time to bring his reign of terror to an end. So that's what this slide is all about, to show y'all in practical terms that this is not somebody just talking. All the things are in this. Two elements we need. More power from God, which will come on us at his discretion, and cold, hard cash. It's got to be cash flow. And cash flow increases as you people, not me, not Rashi, as you people reproduce after your can. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. Every organic entity reproduces after its own kind. Christians beget Christians. If you're not reproductive in Christianity, there is something that has arrested you. My little uh, grandson, Makai, ain't going to have no place tomorrow morning because he's not mature enough to reproduce after his own kind. But a person that has grown up in this in Christ, and they said they're a Christian. If you're not reproducing, we got to go back and file through you to find out what you've been arrested in. You, you, you're arrested in your development. There's something wrong. And we got to find out what's wrong. And you're going to find one common denominator that everybody like is self conscious. We got to get you away from being self conscious so you become God conscious to reproduce God in other folks. That's what the problem is. It's a kill, it's a hand. Somewhere when you become self conscious. Every attack of the devil is designed to make you self-conscious so you can't reproduce because you're too busy thinking about yourself to think about the person standing behind you in the line at Walmart. Because you're sitting at Walmart thinking about, I got a pretty problem. I'm so depressed. My life is just so terrible. I crave the hood, but I'm so sick of it. My wife acts like somebody from outer space. I'm so lonely. I just feel so good walking along my chain. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, the car. I can't look up if I have my car. I can't remember my car. I feel so oppressed, so suppressed, so upset, so depressed, so suppressed. I'm just so, you know. <laughs> and I ain't gonna say to somebody, I ain't gonna say without you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that mess. You represent it. That's the Lord. Stay away from me. <laughs> we got to get out of ourselves, man. Look, the vision is plain. The Bible says, do what? Write the vision. Make it plain so that those that read the vision can do what? Run with the vision. It ain't about me, you, or nobody else. Man, we try to get a job done to get out of here. Who wants to be here? If you, we got to check out where you've been arrested in. But you want to stay here when eternity awaits us. Or we can go and explore the whole universe as opposed to being stuck out here in your house, in your bathroom, sitting on your toilet. <laughs> this is my whole life right here. So, a, a ga galaxies to explore, and all you can do is sit on your toilet, and you don't even have any tissue. <laughs> Man, we got the tissue gone. <laughs> no, it's all gone. Come on, man. This is crazy. 
completely, write it down, run with it, man. All you got to do is just recreate other vessels like yourself in reproduction. It's organic. All you got to do is run the reproductive organ that needs to be run, and that's your mouth. Talk. It, man, the, the fields are white for harvest in Jesus' day. They're ultra white now. And this hellhole, these folks don't even know what they're looking for, but they're looking for salvation. Father's kids, fatherless kids are looking for that. And they find it in a, in a, in a booze bottle, kneeling their arms, or porno, or whatever they're doing. But their fatherless kids searching for identity at a bar. We've got answer. Now we just got to be that. That's what it's all about. So we're going to break it up now, y'all. Dismiss down to the um, to the pub. So, you know. Delfino. Delfino? That's what lunch is. Uh, at Delfino. On, fr on Friday? Uh, your wife just did. Oh, she's at the Delfino. She said lunch is at Delfino. Okay, Delfino is downstairs in the other tower across that courtyard out there. Just go downstairs. Yeah, Delfino is down there. So enjoy your lunch, then it's just, you know, time of celebration, time on the beach, hanging around, whatever you do, do what you do. And we'll see you back in tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock for the different service. Y'all have a blessed day. Keep all this in prayer. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.